This is a really cool study that suggests that yes, exercise is equivalent to surgery, perhaps from a pain and function perspective, but it isn't superior. So we've got to get off our high horse here and not just say everyone must do exercise. We've got to see both pros and cons. Large to massive rotator cuff tears have generally been shipped off for surgery. There's some emerging evidence, though, that exercise may be helpful or even equivalent to surgical outcomes. And today we had Jared Powell, the shoulder physio, come on to dig into this paper for us. He's done a research review on it, and we wanted to get his takeaways and some clinical experience. If you want to learn more about the research reviews and how they make keeping up to date easier, we've got a link in the show notes. I think you're going to love this episode. There are a lot of great insights. Let's jump in. My name is Michael risk and this is physio explained all right welcome back jared thank you for joining us we're going to dig into a paper that you've reviewed for a physio network research review thanks mate nice to be here again remind us what the paper was called and uh, a little bit about what they did so the paper was titled as as effective as surgery in improving quality of life disability and pain for large to massive rotator cuff tears, and that was a systematic review and meta-analysis. And the lead author was Catherine Fahi, and this was published in 2022 in Musculoskeletal Science and Practice. So the object of the paper is pretty obvious in the title. They compared exercise to non-exercise interventions, including surgery for large to massive rotator cuff tears, and that's different to just a small to medium rotator cuff tear. So a large rotator cuff tear is three to five centimeters in terms of its anatomy. And then a massive rotator cuff tear is a little bit harder to define. It's a little bit murky literature, but some people say it's greater than five centimeters in terms of the rotator cuff tear size. Others say a massive rotator cuff tear is one that involves two or more rotator cuff tendons. And another interesting definition is a rotator cuff tear that exposes more than two-thirds of the humeral head. So this is basically just to say that a massive rotator cuff tear is kind of hard to define, but it's it's huge, hence the name massive rotator cuff tear, and then a large rotator cuff tear is three to five centimeters in size. So historically, these tears have been really tricky to manage, you know, because they are so big and they are associated with functional deficits and the presence of pretty extreme and severe shoulder pain in some circumstances as well. So the objective of this paper was to compare well, what the hell can we do for these painful and disabling uh, rotator cuff tears? And should we get into the results, mate, or what do you want to do next? I'm curious, did it include complete tears as well? Were there any in there that had complete tears? Yep, so full thickness, complete tears were all included in there as well. Yeah, yeah. And clinically, what do you see? I'll lean on your experience a bit here. Uh, They're struggling to, say, lift their arm above 90 degrees abduction, but I also understand there's a huge variance. You could have a complete supraspinatus tear and still be able to do that. Clinically, on your experience, what do you see with these people? Yeah, so people with a large to massive rotator cuff tear are usually coming in functionally quite limited in what they can do. So they do have that almost, they call it pseudo paralysis. So they're kind of struggling to lift their shoulder into the air because they've lost that integrity in that force couple connection in the Mm. shoulder of their rotator cuff. So they do have obvious limitations in range of motion and also yep. strength. So if you were to measure external rotation strength or abduction strength, profoundly limited versus the other side. In that phase, you do have to decipher between if somebody comes in with a pseudo paralysis, you have to differentiate that massive rotator cuff 
tear presentation from a frozen shoulder. So quickly, you have to get get that patient on the bed and check out their passive range of motion. If their passive range of motion is normal, then you can sort of safely say that this person may have a large to massive rotator cuff tear. So that's how they present. And then some people with they still have a full thickness rotator cuff tear, as you alluded to, but it's only small to medium in size. They're sort of usually less limited in their range of motion. They still probably have pain, but they will have often a full range of motion, albeit painful. And they will still have some semblance of strength. You know, they might be 10, 20% down on the other side. And we see people with large to massive rotator cuff tears who have a 50% reduction. So that's what we see clinically often on average, if we took the average person coming in with a large to massive rotator cuff tear. And I think the assumption that maybe I'm seeing on ground is the small to medium tears as young physios, we would be a lot more confident like, yes, let's go for this. Let's give it a good structured rehab program. And even if it's not successful, there's going to be better outcomes after a surgery if we go down that path. I get the sense that we're quite confident to do that. I also got the sense that large to massive tears that we're talking about here, two things would happen, less confident to rehab it, and they'd probably already come in with an image, and therefore they've probably already seen a specialist. And with those two bits of information, they're usually booked in for surgery, or they're 75% of the way for surgery. So has this changed anything? That's a good question. So it is funny, isn't it? So I'm of a similar opinion and perspective in that if I saw someone come in with a radiologically verified large to massive full thickness tear, that would freak me out a bit, hmm. especially in my first five, even 10 years of clinical practice. You know, yeah, What yeah. do I do with this person? How do I get this person stronger if they've got nothing attached to their it's damn not shoulder? There. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's challenging. So you're our mechanistic brain, if we can't really tangibly change their strength. It's a struggle. But then conversely, you know, surgeons don't love operating on these people either, mate, because there's the retail rate is extraordinary in people with a large to massive rotator cuff tear. Hmm. I think I saw a statistic quite recently, and I, I put this up on Twitter today, actually, when preparing for this podcast. If a 50-year-old person comes to you with a large to massive rotator cuff tear and they get that tear surgically repaired, there is a 50% chance that that tear won't heal. Yeah. So even if they go in for surgery to get that thing healed so they can get on with their life, there's only a one in two chance or a coin flip that that tear is actually going to be healed with surgery. So surgeons don't love operating on these large to massive rotator cuff tears as well. So it's a tricky cohort. Physios are a bit afraid of them. Surgeons are a bit afraid of them. What do we do? It's challenging. I like it. And so not to put the horse before the cart, but what were the outcomes of this paper and the results? So the paper very simply found in their systematic review, and I'll mention some limitations before we get into the results because I like yeah. people to keep in mind limitations before we read conclusions. There's five papers included in the systematic review, okay? So that's tiny. Yeah, It's a very under-researched area. So the conclusions from this paper are like low certainty in terms of they did the grade analysis, which kind of uses a risk of bias tool with all the papers included. And there's low certainty evidence on the conclusions of this paper. So yep. having said that and having prefaced what I'm about to say with that, the results of the paper suggest that exercise or exercise-led physiotherapy, osteopathy, chiro, whatever you want to do, is equivalent to, certainly not inferior to a surgical reconstruction of a large to massive rotator cuff tear. So 
what does that mean? If I was to just present a clinical example here, Michael, if somebody comes in to us, they have MRI confirmed large to massive rotator cuff tear. They say, hey, physio, what do I do? You say, well, I know I just listened to a podcast with uh, some bald-headed guy called Jared, and he mentioned a paper by Catherine Fahey, and it suggests that we can try exercise. You know, We are not doing our patients a disservice by recommending exercise, but we cannot say definitively that exercise is better than surgery. So if they, if they said, well, should I try surgery? You should say you are well within your rights to try surgery. And that will probably be just as effective as a non-surgical exercise-led intervention by myself. And then you have to give that person space to come up with their own decision. They may have more questions. They may be worried about costs. They may be worried about spending six weeks in a slim. They may be worried about adverse effects of surgery, so on and so forth. And you're there to kind of advise them. But we cannot say that they must do exercise based on the result of this study. Are you struggling to keep up to date with new research? Let our research reviews do the hard work for you. Our team of experts summarise the latest and most clinically relevant research for instant application in the clinic, so you can save time and effort keeping up to date. Click the link in the show notes to try Physio Network's research reviews for free today. And we chatted just off air a little bit about the biases we might have as exercise and health professionals, and it's it's very easy to take this paper and say, ah. Oh, but why would you get surgery? Surgery is invasive and it's six weeks in a sling and we can just simply do exercise. And you had some good thoughts on that. Yeah. So I think it's very, very important to clear up that we can't recommend based on the results of this paper that someone has to do surgery. Okay. We can certainly mention it. We can mention the pros and cons of an exercise-led approach. We can do that for surgery as well. But then we must sort of give that person space to come to their own decision making based on where they are in their life. You know, can they take some time off work to have the surgery? Uh, do they have assistance in the house? What are their beliefs about surgery? What are their beliefs about physio? What are their beliefs about exercise? Can they not be bothered exercising? You know, all of these things that come into it. So this is a really cool study that suggests that yes, exercise is equivalent to surgery, perhaps from a pain and function perspective, mm. but it isn't superior. So we've got to get our our high horse here and not just say everyone must do exercise. We've got to see both pros and cons. I don't know if they mentioned this in the SR or you have experience on this, but what's the average kind of functional loss and then the gain? So one group went through surgery and one group went through rehab. Are they still only like 70% of where they were? Did they only regain like three points on a functional scale? Because I imagine that information might add some context to the patient in front of us. What are your thoughts on that? Nobody's ever 100% after these things, surgery. Mm. Well, some people are, to be fair, but on average, it might be four-point improvement on a vast scale and it might be 10 to 15 points on an Oxford shoulder, something like that, right? Pick your outcome measure. So, so there's like a moderate improvement in pain and function both mm. in the non-surgical groups and in the surgical groups. So there is a sort of tangible improvement and like a not insignificant improvement. It's important to say that a large to massive rotator cuff tear is usually in the older age group. So 50s, 60s, 70s and 80s, right? So that person magically doesn't have the shoulder of a 25-year-old after doing a rehab program. So that's sort of important to keep in mind. In your experience, do these people get back to kind of 70%, 100% of where they were? So I'm thinking of one example, which is just somehow managed to infiltrate my thoughts here, hmm. a gentleman that I saw a few years ago. 
And he had a large to massive rotator cuff tear. He was a surfer. His whole goal was to get back to surfing. He had surgery, Mm. but he still had a profound weakness and stiffness of his shoulder after the surgery. So his pain was probably a bit better, but functionally his shoulder was So he wasn't better in terms of what he wanted to do with his life. So we had you know, a fair process of of getting his strength up a little bit, getting his range up a little bit, and also just sort of instilling some confidence that he could use his shoulder. Perhaps there was a bit of fear and anxiety around using his shoulder as well. And over six to 12 months, we got him back to paddling because he couldn't, he didn't have the range to paddle his shoulder, to, to paddle because of his shoulder. He got better, but it's tricky, man, because these large to massive rotator cuff tears, if someone has them for a year or two, there is like, profound fatty infiltration of the rotator cuff. So there's real changes, there's atrophy, not to mention the kind of nervous system changes and the psychological changes that go alongside that as well. So it's really hard. This person shouldn't expect to go in, have their cuff stitched up, and then they're good to go again. So even if they get surgery, there is a long haul rehab process afterwards as well. How do you make that decision with the patient? Are there certain characteristics in a patient or certain questions you might ask? Because Where my brain goes is whether it's rehab or surgical, it most likely won't be 100%, like you said, the shoulder of a 25-year-old. And also, both of them will require a lot of work. Even if you go down the surgical part, you'll probably still do a lot of rehab. So are there any personality types or questions you would ask to help make these decisions? Well, there's definitely people who come in who have a strong predisposition for or against surgery, Mm. you know, so I really have to value that. And I think I'm pretty good at talking and having conversations and building rapport with people, but if somebody comes in with an ingrained belief that surgery is or isn't for them, I'm not really going to try too hard to change that. It's not my job. That's their call. They've probably got an experience in their life that has led them towards that. Mm. So if somebody comes in, they've got an affinity towards exercise, they've had success with physio in the past, that person for me is kind of pricking my ears and I'm thinking, all right, this person's probably going to be a pretty good candidate for at least trialing a few months of exercise-led physiotherapy. Conversely, if somebody says, I just need this damn thing fixed, I don't think exercise is going to help, and I'm very quickly on the phone to a surgeon or referring that person back to a GP and just saying, I think you should get an opinion from a surgeon and go from there. So honestly, to answer your question very succinctly, I look for like expectations from the Mm. patient primarily. I don't really look for anything physically. I don't say, well, their strengths three out of five. That means they're a good candidate for this or their range is 70% of this. They're a good candidate for this. I really only give a damn about what that person thinks. If I get a feeling or a sense that that person is truly on the fence and, you know, doesn't really know, and then I'll present some data to them. I'll use this study and I won't try and sway them. I don't care about like repeat business or anything. It's just to present the facts as they are. And that person can then chat with their significant other or whatever about what they might like to do. So again, coming back to your question, I look for like personal expectations of the patient. That sounds really good and like the way to go. I'm wrapping up here. What about the patient that they've probably got their MRI and they're potentially booked in to surgery? This is a patient I saw a lot of, but they were asking the question. It's like, well, you're already booked in, but you're asking the question. In that place, do you let them go? Are we trying to change their opinion or would you present the data or is it better to not and just go with the surgery and then we'll do our rehab? Any thoughts? Yeah, it depends on what kind of day I'm having. You know, Do I need to have another hard conversation? (laughs) My personality often dictates that I'm very keen to present the facts to people, even if they are on a Hmm. surgical waiting list or have something booked in. 
Yeah. We've got a lot of clinical trials that actually say that if you are on a surgical waiting list, but you give them some exercises to do, and this is for rotator cuff repair, then I think like two thirds or 70% of the time, according to some papers, those people choose to leave the surgical waiting list because they've had a substantial improvement doing exercises. So it's not impossible to change people's minds. They just need to see some benefit or an improvement from an exercise program. You know, they're not going to change based on what I say. They're going to change based on what they feel. And so if they're amenable to going, okay, you're not booked in for 12 weeks. Do you want to do some exercises while you're waiting? Mm. That's the best way to go about it. And if they sense that they're getting a little bit better, they might choose to extricate themselves from that waiting list on their own accord. And that's a tidy result for the healthcare system and everybody involved. I love it, mate. That's a good pearl to end on. And thank you again for your time today. Thanks, Michael. It's been a pleasure. And if you're interested in reading this research review, we're going to put it in the show notes and you can check out hundreds of other awesome research reviews. 